I'm still a speaker, eh, guys? Can you hear me, uh, Simon? You there? How are you? Very good, Mario. Hear you well. Cool, Carlo. Good to have you as well. Good morning. Great to be on the panel. There's an important disclaimer, Carlo. I just want to make it very clear um, that Simon, Simon could be invested in the companies that you work at, and he could be invested in Twitter that we use right now. It's an important disclaimer that we always have to make to avoid any conflicts of interest. There you go. I've done it for you, Simon. Stand. Thank you, Mario. Courtesy after doing shows have together for so long. May, another company that may benefit from Ethereum or Bitcoin's growth. <laughs> disclaimer, before we talk about the price of Bitcoin, Simon does own um, a significant percentage of Bitcoin, including equity. I don't know how, but he owns equity in the company as well. <laughs> but uh, let's get Gareth there. Let me see who else joining. So Ryan and Scott will not be joining today. So that will be... Uh, that will be uh, that'll be a, a positive for the show. I think everyone's going to enjoy it. And I did prep the agenda this time, so I know what's going on instead of relying on Scott. The Before getting into the markets, because Gareth, we're waiting on Gareth to come up, um, the, the stories that we're going to be talking about is um, got the altcoin rally, and they're blaming it on South Korean traders. So it'd be good to get some traders up here as well. And we're going to talk about the SEC and uh, uh, there's, a, there's a quick uh, response here by the CLO of uh, Ripple which says the SEC is losing in court, being criticized by judges for shady behavior, being rebuked by the government internal auditor, hiding info about meetings with a felon, becoming irrelevant on the international stage. So he didn't, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he didn't want to, he couldn't come up on the, uh, on stage, but uh, we tried to get him on. Uh, but I want to dig into his uh, claims on the SEC that we all um, love to love. Um, and then we've got the Binance story. So we've got the like, things just get harder and harder for Binance. So we've got the counterterrorism official that worked there. He's left the exchange last or She's left the exchange, sorry. And we're going to dig into the, some of the allegations there. And then finally, the BlackRock filing for a spot ETF for Ethereum. Does anyone on stage, Carlo, William, Patrick, or Simon, did, wasn't that, was that a rumor before? I feel like we've talked about this before, but it was a rumor does anyone remember what the spot ETF uh, story was before? Anyone at all? I think if I recall it, yeah, I think if I recall it correctly, there was news that BlackRock had made a filing with the SEC and also had registered a Delaware corporation, which signaled that they were planning to jump into the e ETF. I think they formalized it is what the latest news is, their intent to go forward and do that. That's about my understanding of it, but it doesn't mean anything other than they're just pursuing it. Obviously, it's not approved. Yeah, wasn't the previous one? They did the old ticker trick that that created the yeah, wasn't that pump, exactly? Pump wasn't wasn't that the story that someone created? Oh no, that was the XRP was a trick. I think that was a oh that was yeah the yeah XRP, yeah. yeah. I, I'm losing track as well. So there was like I, I don't sometimes like I don't blame the SEC for for being so so skeptical from everything. So someone came up with a ticker, put it up for an uh, for a, a spot ETF for uh, application by BlackRock for XRP, which is just hard to believe considering they haven't done one yet for for Ethereum. And that got everyone excited. I think XRP pumped by 15%. And um, we did have uh, Mikko who came on. He said that, you know, that, that could, you know, there could be some legitimacy to it. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I think all of us kind of agreed that. It was but Mario, that's, it's, it's actually, um, just thinking about it now, I don't know what's involved in registering one of those tickers, but it seems like there's a market manipulation trick that can be done there where a trader could just figure out a way of uh, registering one of these tickers um, and then just doing a pump and dump trade. Yeah, I think this is and what the conclusion was. On that, Go ahead, 
Oh, sorry. Just to chime in on that, it's my understanding that Delaware is investigating that false XRP pump. So there may be something coming from that as far as an investigation and potential prosecution. Yeah, they'll prosecute some private wallet that was behind it. <laughs> Don't know who it is. Or then it's going to end up now, guys. We, we got to blame it on SBF. So SBF has internet in jail. Um, but David, do you have any updates on that? David, I saw you on mute. Can't hear you. Um, well, David, if you can't speak, we've got Gareth up. Gareth, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Mario. How are you? Good, good. Do you hear the good news today? Uh, what's the good news? Ryan and Scott are not here, man. It's just me. Oh Happy. man, that's I'm glad I'm on today then. I get actually I can actually talk. Oh, I can, uh, exactly, exactly. So it's not like I ask you for a market update and suddenly we hear Scott's voice giving us an update. But yeah. now give us a so so I have been uh, you know constantly on planes for the last two days. That's why we missed the show. Apologies everyone, we missed the show yesterday. I think the day before as well. I think we missed it two days in a row. Um but give us a, a bit of an update because I know that it pumped one day I was on a flight. Dropped the same amount right right after when I was on the next flight. Um, is that just basic uh, basic volatility that we're seeing? Is there any reason behind the the ups and downs? Is it based on any news? Um, how's the volume looking? Would love a bit of an update, Gareth. Yeah, I mean, so so for the most part, it's been in this like tighter and tighter pattern where we've been floating up and we've kind of hammered into this thirty eight thousand level on Bitcoin, and then it gets rejected, and then we come down to this kind of thirty six ish level. Um, the the last month or so, there's a if you connect the lows, there's a classic trend line right there, just sloping up, and then we have the double top at thirty eight that we're kind of you know kind of wedging ourselves between on Bitcoin, and, and the idea is that as a wedge pattern, it's either going to break out in the next couple weeks or break down, whether or not that's the the culprit of a spot ETF approval or not, we'll have to find out. But one of the things I would just point out is that um, Bitcoin dominance came back and hit support. And so I would say that altcoins have probably short term topped here. Um, if we saw some of those moves, they've just been incredible. But based on Bitcoin dominance, Bitcoin dominance should start bouncing here and starting to move back up, which implies either that Bitcoin is going to start to lead to the upside or if Bitcoin stays here, the altcoins are going to pull back just a little bit. So you've actually seen some pretty big reversals already. Uh, Avalanche has a topping tail now on the daily chart after reversing its recent gains here. Solana is starting to come in pretty hard as well. So um, you know, again, Bitcoin kind of boring right now, but uh, but it looks like the action in the altcoins may be topping here. And what are your thoughts on the on the on the report that the pump in altcoins uh, is coming from South Korean traders? That's something we historically have seen all the time. They're, they're leading those pumps, uh, especially as we come out of a bear market. So the report was put out by, let me see. Um, so CryptoQuant put out a report that spot volumes on local exchange. So Upbit had a volume doubled uh, since September and then Upbit. So they, they had, uh, so Upbit. Okay, yeah, a bit. Uh, they constitute eighty-five percent of South Korean volume, and they've their their volume doubled. So is that does that kind of is that expected? Does that mean anything? Uh, I, I don't know if it means anything. I think the altcoins were were kind of boxed into this bear market that was just so long lasting, and it was just it was just brutal to be honest. And so once they started to run, there was just so much money, whether it's from South Korea or just around the globe, that was ready to just jump on board for this like you know this hail mary pass that we're going to revisit these 2021 type events where these things were going up so much. So I think there was just a lot of money on the sidelines, and then people just started to leverage in. Uh, and the question 
question now I have is if when they start coming in, do we see leveraged exits, meaning that people get stopped out of these bigger positions because of leverage and do they fall more sharply um, on the retrace? But but yeah, in terms of South, to the South Korea, I don't really think that plays a huge role. It reminds me of small caps. There's always someone in small caps uh, stocks trying to pump them up. Maybe this is just South Korea doing it there. Why do you think Alco? Why are you so conf- convinced that altcoins are gonna gonna correct and, and that, uh, that 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 run can't continue? Yeah, so it's more about the the velocity of the move. It doesn't mean that they can't go higher in six months or three months from now. It's just that at this point, they're starting to look tired. You're starting to get these wicks that form on the top, which is telling you bigger money is starting to dump into the buyers. And then it's also just kind of noticing that the the Bitcoin dominance had pulled back pretty significantly, but is now hitting support. So again, if we look at that Bitcoin dominance chart and and you look at it as a technical chart, it signals a bounce in Bitcoin dominance, which generally should imply that all coins will underperform. And then when you match no, no. that up to these, yep, continue, continue. Oh, I was just going to say, and then when you just match it up to some of these charts that have gone vertical two, three, four hundred percent, you start to say, okay, a healthy correction is due for the altcoins. You know, let's say twenty-five or or twenty percent retrace, and and then you have to reevaluate them if they're a buy at that point. So when you say Bitcoin dominance, we're going to go to the panel. Um, just one last, one last question, uh, Gary. So when you say Bitcoin dominance spiked up. And that means altcoins retrace. Don't they, shouldn't they be correlating? Like, shouldn't altcoin be retracing to allow for Bitcoin dominance to, to, to increase? Or, or essentially the top coins are the ones. So when you're looking at altcoins, I don't know what you consider altcoins. So we have to get a definition of, are you talking about, you know, top 500 coins, top 300 coins, or just looking at the top 200 on coin market cap? And then and just trying to understand what you mean by Bitcoin dominance increases that indicates so that happens before altcoins drop. Yeah, so so in terms of what Bitcoin dominance is, it's it's basically the market cap of Bitcoin versus versus all the altcoins. And again, you could yeah. you know you could put the top five hundred in there, or whatever it is, and it's just it's just the the ratio. So what's the market cap of Bitcoin versus the altcoin market yeah, but, market but, cap? But, 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 but that's what I mean, Gareth. Like so, altcoins need to drop in price, or Bitcoin needs to increase in price. So what you're saying, Bitcoin's dominance. Uh, it's starting to increase. Does that mean Bitcoin is starting to pick up and altcoins are lagging? That's why Bitcoin dominance is increasing and that's why altcoins will drop. So the reason Bitcoin yeah. dominance is increasing right now is Bitcoin is outperforming altcoins. Is that what you mean? And that's an early Yeah, indicator. exactly. Exactly. It's about okay. perfor- it's about performance, right? So it means that there's two there's multiple scenarios. One is Bitcoin could just stay right in this range of thirty-six to thirty-eight thousand, but if altcoins drop ten percent, then Bitcoin dominance uh, you know is gonna go up. I mean that that means that the market cap of Bitcoin staying the same, the altcoin market cap is dropping by ten percent. So so there's that scenario, or Bitcoin could have a god candle on on spot approval and and altcoins could just kind of go up a little bit, that would still be an increase in dominance. But but I think the what I'm expecting just based on such amazing runs in some of these altcoins is for the altcoins to start having 10, 15, 20% pullbacks and Bitcoin probably stays here in this range in the near term. David, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, as an investor, uh, n- not necessarily a trader, um, you know, th- these moves are... Uh, you know, concerning. I mean, th- th- they haven't tracked the overall market at all um, on the days that the market has been up big and has been a risk on day. When I say the market, sorry, equity markets generally, um, you know, th- this has, you know, we, we didn't see the same run uh, in crypto, you know, the day this, let's call it CPI print came out and there was, you know, a, a relief rally in terms of 
concerns about inflation, Fed rates, raising rates higher. You know, uh, crypto didn't move at all on that day. Um, seems that the crypto markets have its own uh, rhythm right now, uh, which is which is a, a good thing in terms of justifying it as an independent asset class. Uh, but there's really at your your point earlier about headlines. There's no headlines, and there's no rhyme or reason. And these are big moves. I mean, the range is pretty big. Um, you know, especially for Bitcoin, in my opinion, you know, the up and down swing of, you know, call it five, seven percent, you know, in a given day uh, up and down, uh, I I think has been, you know, pretty concerning, uh, at least for me over the past, you know, four or five days now. And um, but concerning why, uh, David, because there's no th- th- there's nothing to go ahead and pin that type of move on. There hasn't been any particularly negative headlines. There haven't been any particularly positive headlines. And to have, you know, five to seven percent swings, um, you know, in a given 24 hour period or less, um, it, you know, it is it is is not indicative of a mature asset. And. Um, you know, that, that just, I think this is a trader's market right now. God bless all the traders. And I think they should go ahead and keep making money. Um, you know, the altcoins have been on an incredible run. Can they continue to be on that run? I mean, I think the fundamentals are there for them to continue, especially if we believe that the Bitcoin ETF, spot ETF is coming. You know, BlackRock went ahead and just filed for, as expected, the Ether spot ETF. And then, you know, Rand's comments, actually, he made a you know a bunch of days ago, still continue to ring with me that, you know, potentially Solana is this markets, this bull market runs uh, Ethereum. Um, you know, Solana can continue to run as well, you know, especially as we see maturity in the asset class and more institutional investors. But, you know, I got to tell you that these these have been some pretty serious moves, both up and down, especially with respect to Bitcoin. Sam, what are your thoughts on, on what Gareth mentioned earlier in terms of his analysis and then the concerns that David's mentioning? Hey, thanks, Mario. Um, you know, I just have I don't I don't really view Bitcoin dominance as a really great metric uh, because market cap can be really manipulated and it doesn't take into account liquidity. Um, when you're comparing Bitcoin's market cap against the market cap of every other cryptocurrency in existence, well, every other cryptocurrency, that those market caps can increase because there's zero cost to creating new ones. And then they control the float. And since they're extremely illiquid, you can see really big moves in their market caps that then drop significantly weeks later because they're very, very illiquid. And so I think a better metric to look at is things like Bitcoin versus Ethereum, like a simple chart like that, that's just looking at price. Um, So I think the idea of Bitcoin dominance, it's kind of a flawed metric because it doesn't take into account liquidity. And that's extremely important to consider because Bitcoin is much, much, much more liquid um, than every other cryptocurrency in existence. And so I don't look at Bitcoin dominance. I don't think it's a very great metric. Um, I look at something just like at the price of Bitcoin versus Ethereum. And if you look at Bitcoin and the Ethereum chart, um, Bitcoin's kind of hitting all-time highs. And so it's just a very, uh, you know, it's just a little bit nuanced. But I just, you know, I think the focus on Bitcoin dominance, it's, it's not really, um, it's kind of missing some important caveats. 
Nice. And, and uh, one one other thing as well is looking at the Bitcoin dominance increasing in your opinion, Sam. Um, what does that mean for you? Uh, like, is that is that something to be concerned about? Does that mean anything for altcoins? No, I mean, like, I just I just think the metric itself is flawed, and so I don't think I look at market caps of Bitcoin dominance. I think it's really just a function of liquidity, like I was mentioning. Um, I think these recent moves in altcoins, you know, altcoins follows the king, and Bitcoin has performed really well this year. And usually, altcoins move beta to Bitcoin. And since they are more illiquid, usually you see more explosive movements in these other altcoins. And so I think you, you typically see this where Bitcoin rallies. And then afterwards, you see really explosive moves in these more liquid uh, altcoins afterwards. And so you have these like little cycles that happen. And then if Bitcoin turns, then you'll see even more explosive downward price action on these altcoins. And so I think, you know, Bitcoin leads and then these altcoins usually follows. And so Bitcoin's performed really well uh, this year, up over 100 percent. And and so it's not really surprising to see these altcoins move. Is there, um, is there, is there any chance, Sam, one other question before going to Simon and Carlos, is there any chance we see Bitcoin decouple from altcoins? I think it's a very interesting world to imagine that uh, Bitcoin starts to, to act as a store of value and altcoins more of a risk asset. Yeah, you know, I, I do think we might see that just because um, Bitcoin does have a unique value proposition. I think all these other uh, altcoins have different value propositions uh, and Bitcoin kind of has a monopoly on the whole digital gold store value um, value proposition. And I think it should be kind of viewed differently. And I think that's one thing that we've seen during this bear market is kind of a better understanding by the market that, you know, there are things that make Bitcoin different than these other altcoins coins and there are different uh you know guarantees that it offers in terms of its security and its decentralization uh that these altcoins don't really uh offer or there's just like different trade-offs is what i would say and so i think you do see a little bit of decoupling i think you're seeing that in the sentiment shifts that have occurred uh from these institutions and uh, some of the messaging that you're hearing when it comes to bitcoin versus the rest of crypto and i you know, I just think there's trade-offs, right? And and I think more and more people are kind of understanding the trade-offs between Bitcoin and these other altcoins. Simon? Yeah, um, I guess the other thing with liquidity is you've got to make sure you're only dealing with the exchanges that aren't doing all the wash trading. So um, that's another way. Um, there's there's like matrix to get there. Um, but I just what's the, to- uh, but the, the, before I continue, Simon, what is the, so the Bitcoin dominance right now, um, what coins does it take into consideration? It's not all altcoins. The top what? Top three hundred, top five hundred. Does anyone know? For cool. For yeah. for the Bitcoin dominance. So what what altcoins does it take into consideration? I it wouldn't take no. I wouldn't take no. Does it take everything, Sam? Like any any random person creating an altcoin that gets taken into consideration? From my understanding, it was the rest of the everything that's not Bitcoin. Um, it might be yeah, but top 300, top 400, but I don't know yeah. if that really matters. Yeah, I think any, anything that passed this anyways is, 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 is a drop in the ocean. It doesn't make much of a difference. But yeah, go ahead, Simon. Yeah, I, I was just going to speak to, um, I, you mentioned it in the beginning. I'm not sure if it's significant, but you mentioned the whole South Korean thing. Um, hi- historically, what we've seen is that when you have these jurisdictions where investing is very restricted, um, you end, you, you know, crypto went nuts in South Korea because they have found an asset class that they could invest in. It tends to be way more speculative, short-term and trading related. Um, 
But like, so the, when, when people talk about the whole South Korean things, it tends to happen on the South Korean exchanges. So you can look at the volume there. Um, but, you know, an example of the, the type of thing that happened in the past is when we had the hard fork from Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash, um, there was a complete manipulative, speculative attack tried to be implemented uh, where they tried to show that the volume of trading and the price performance of Bitcoin Cash relative to Bitcoin in the early days um, was going to try and actually get everyone over to the the whole the other chain, and it was all done through like massive manipulation on South Korean exchanges. Um, but there is there is you know I don't want to stereotype so, or anything. But but real- so what you're saying there's a real possibility that the altcoin pump that we've seen is just manipulation from South Korean traders as that, a possibility worth considering. That's happened many times. I haven't studied it in this one, but it's happened many times. So and then how would they again like anything that comes to technical analysis? I'm not a I'm not a not an expert in, not a fan of either. But the next one would be the the anything to do with manipulation. So, when you pump a market, where is the manipulation? Like how how what happens if it is being manipulated? What would they do next? That just get the market excited and then dump it on everyone else? Yeah, it's just the time frame of the the typical type of investor. So if you went through some of these South Korean pumps and dumps, um, they a lot of them used to happen in in China back in the day. Uh, then it is it is very quick. Uh, and then it, it corrects very quickly. So you just see a massive load of volume in a particular area in in the particular exchanges in a in a geographical location, and then cool. it, it before, corrects quickly. Yeah, before going to Carlo, Carlo, I want to get your thoughts on everything, and then start with the legal questions. Uh, Gary, I just want to get quickly your response on uh, first what Simon just said regarding the Korean market and the risk of manipulation, but also Sam's points about the Bitcoin dominance and the importance of it. And have you looked at the Bitcoin dominance relative to ETH alone without anything else? Gareth? Hey, yeah. So so for me, at least with Bitcoin dominance, the reason why it is important is because, you know, yes, you're not taking into account the illiquidity of some of the tiniest caps out there. But at the same time, really, when you're talking about everything versus Bitcoin, you're going to you're going to zero in on the Solanas, which have 28 billion. I mean, that right there basically equates to everything else Then add in some of the other ones as well. So so I've actually had a lot of success uh, charting uh, Bitcoin dominance and and the moves. Um, in fact, when Bitcoin, when the altcoins move, Bitcoin dominance had just hit resistance, which is pretty cool. Kind of almost gave a signal that the altcoins were going to wake up. Um, you know, again, in, in regard to some of the other stuff, I think that you know, to me, the altcoin market is one is a market that is made up of a lot of kind of of the shadier things, right? The shadier tactics, for the most part, obviously not the biggest twenty five or so. But there's just this this inherent kind of lottery, like uh, playing the lottery when you get into these things, and people aren't really looking at the the components of the altcoins. Like, what is this altcoin do? What's the reason? What's my thesis for being an investor? It's more a lottery. Like, let me get in so I can just dump it at a higher level, maybe it. 10x's, maybe at 5x's. So, so that's what I'm always concerned. And, and some of the froth that we've seen in some of these altcoins is, is again, it, you know, it's to me, it's not the healthiest thing for crypto. Like, you know, you want to see grinding higher. You want to see good quality people getting in because they want to invest for a long time, not because they want to make a quick buck. And so, again, that's one of those warning signs in recent, you know, the last week or so in some of these altcoins that has me on edge also thinking we're due for an altcoin pullback. William? And then we'll go to so we'll yeah, go William, yeah, Patrick, yeah. and then Carlo, because I want to pivot to yeah. legal. Go ahead, William. Thanks, Mary. Just quick reaction about the altcoin correlation. I think the, the altcoins are more correlated to Ethereum. Whatever Ethereum does, 
the outcomes will follow because uh, most of them are we, we they are it's dominated by infrastructure um l1s uh, l2s and and that turf that's kind of still boiling um as you noticed uh, a month ago when Bit- when bitcoin uh, popped uh, the outcomes did not do anything um, so that is more the correlation. And right now, Ethereum was facing a lot of resistance at 2100. Rightfully so, it's come down from that. Um, so we're still kind of in a, uh, I'm sitting on the fence basically on all of this right now. Patrick, your thoughts and how's DeFi looking? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to build on what Gareth said about altcoins being due for a pullback. Just if you look at the past 30 days of the top 100 coins, literally only two are down out of the top 100 and of those ones that are up 28 are up more than 50 percent so i think saying that we're overdue for a pullback is is an understatement uh and as far as as far as DeFi, actually positive news news in that stablecoin liquidity that's backed by us dollars so usdt or usdc actually increased on a three-month time frame this month for the first time since february 2022 yeah, we're talking about this as, as well uh, in, uh, I think, last week, that there's um, new money coming in. I think every indicator points that new money is coming in. Um, and the last thing I have, um, no, I think that's enough for the market. I think we've covered it enough. I want to try to keep today's show short because obviously Ryan and Scott are not here and, and I've got a flight shortly. Um, so let's move on to uh, Carlos' thoughts and everything. Oh, now, I know I want to ask you, Patrick, one last question is, and that's for everyone else. So I read a report. I didn't read the report, but I read a headline. The latest report of the Bank of International Settlements, BIS, studied 68 stable coins and concluded that none of them can always remain pe- pegged and cannot be redeemed in full. Can anyone, I haven't read the report, it's too long, it's a 68, uh, not so, 68 stable coins, a multiple page report, I don't know how many pages. Yeah, I can send it to anyone and maybe we can cover it in, tomorrow, in Monday's show. But does, can anyone offer a very, you know, kind of a, a quick overview if you can, and probably Simon, I'll expect you to jump in on this one, on why they would say stable coins, in their opinion, cannot remain pegged, cannot always remain pegged and cannot be redeemed in full? Yeah, I haven't read the report, but I'll take some guests. Um well, firstly, is that they, they invest significantly in some degree of illiquid assets. And so, therefore, if there was a run on the stable coin, like we saw with USDC um, when they had money in Silicon Valley Bank, um, then, you, you know, you can't necessarily sell all those assets down. That's why they hold a lot of them in treasuries. Um, but then there may be some kind of discounted situation in treasuries as well. So just like we saw uh, during the Silicon Valley Bank situation. Um, The other thing is to note is that although they are designed to peg the dollar, they are actually also an ultra, ultra efficient market. Um, So if they de-peg, they de-peg for a reason. Um, And it's much better than a bank deposit because you know that there may be a reason for that. Um, And so when, you know, USDC did de-peg, it was because there was risk in the banking system and it had $3 billion of um, deposits at a bank that was in distress. They are also designed to de-peg when there's an issue, which is a really improved form of understanding the risk behind your dollar. Michael, sorry, I I, I glitched out. Simon, Carlo, jump. So, yeah, interesting legal developments this week. Kind of a slow week, I would say, overall. But on Monday, I testified before the Treasury's public hearing concerning these proposed digital asset broker regulations as far as consumer reporting requirements. 
was a great panel of speakers, including the tax uh, VP at, Coin, at uh, Coinbase, who was on the panel, as well as counsel for OpenSea. And I was, I was very happy to see Treasury responding with very pointed questions as far as the concerns about privacy and how perhaps they can improve upon this proposed regulation. So I'm hopeful there. Also interesting development we had this week. Uh, I reported about this mutant ape planet NFT developer pled guilty in federal court in Brooklyn. That was a alleged rug pull, uh, $3 million uh, in a rug pull scheme connected to an NFT and the founder <laughs> of the <laughs> UAE. It was a color? Yeah, color. It was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a mutant, a mutant ape. What? That's someone that owns mutant ape. What exactly? Yeah, you got to, I don't know if it's mutant. Mario, it sounds like a mutant connection. ape right now. Oh, yeah, it is on. mutant ape. It is mutant ape. Yeah, I took off. I took off my headset. So, what's the mutant ape thing? Who's that person? What did they do? So, mutant ape was a uh, NFT that dropped and uh, promised yeah. all kinds of things. But, it's not, by, but again, but it's, it's owned by the Board Ape Yacht Club, the biggest. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. No, this is a spinoff project that was uh, charged as a rug pull, and they, the defendant in that case, pled guilty to wire fraud charges. This is so that's just another news. development in space. This is beautiful news. I don't like. I don't want to be happy when someone else is going through pain, um, but it's just nice to see people being held accountable. It's another example. So they were they were arrested in the UAE. I believe they were extradited back because this defendant appeared in federal court this week and pled guilty to the charges. So they've got him in custody and made a formal appearance in federal court. Wow, that's just great. I mean, so anyone in the NFT community, I see some NFT PFPs there. If you were, if you did anything shady, you should worry. <laughs> so it might take a year, it might take three years, it might take five years. But the, the, the feds don't mess around. So that's good news uh, that we got there. I did see um, uh, Joe. You, I'm not sure. If any more? Any more updates on the legal side, Carlo? I just wanted to go to Joe quickly. Well, obviously, along the lines of what you titled the space, uh, SEC Chair Gary Ginsler gave a. Uh, talk to lawyers in the space and kind of reinforced their overall narrative and their enforcement agenda. And that got some pushback from counsel for Ripple, who sort of uh, called out the SEC chair's comments and pointed to inconsistency in the way they've proceeded. Uh, you know, the, the same song and dance we've all heard. So that was an interesting development as well. No new legal developments with respect to the Ripple case that I'm aware of, other than the trial setting coming up. But other than the fact that uh, the uh, the counsel for uh, Ripple uh, pushed back uh, adamantly concerning some right, of things that, that you're referring to the tweet he put out. Let me read it out again. Um, the SEC is losing in court, being criticized by judges for shady behavior, being rebuked by the government's internal auditor, hiding info about meetings with a felon, becoming is brutal, becoming irrelevant on the international stage. I love that tweet. Um, so is that what you're referring to, uh, Carlo? Yes, uh, that partly. Uh, the, the, that was in response. This is Stuart Alderati, who's Ripple's chief legal officer. Uh, he chimed back after Ginsler gave these remarks. He essentially talked about what his mandate is and how he believes in the historical arc of the SEC going back to Joseph P. Kennedy and had some pointed quotes, one of which he puts on his wall from uh, former Supreme Court Justice Frankfurter kind of reinforcing that they are there to protect the consumer and and ferret out fraud in the security sector. So no surprises, but but just a lot of pushback in the crypto sector to what he said at that at that uh, speaking engagement. Is my audio better now or still bad? 
No, you're good now. Uh, cool. I've just reset the headset. Um, Joe, I uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, we could touch on the legal points quickly, but I think, Joe, you came on when we were talking about the stable coins with uh, Simon. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, Would love your thoughts on that. Please, yes. Um, so I, I don't know how, how deeply you went into it because I joined in a, mo uh, a moment late, but I, I thought it was fascinating. The two uh, citations that were brought up in the prospectus that BlackRock filed, uh, they made a comment about Tether and USDC. The USDC one was pretty interesting because, you know, one of the systemic risks for uh, the ETF that was identified by BlackRock was this issue of USDC and where they're holding the reserves. And they specifically cited the $3.3 billion that was kept at SVB um, that, you know, they sort of intimate without saying it directly that although, you know, USDC was designed to keep the stable value at a dollar, it fell below a dollar for several days and later disclosed that they were holding these funds at SVB. And they also, you know, referenced other potential financial institutions, which are holding assets, which are used to back the collateral. So, um, you know, the overall tenor of their comments was that you know, these are really new products there. There's not a sufficient regulatory framework in place, at least according to BlackRock. And because of that, you have to realize uh, because they're the anchor of the entire industry, according to BlackRock, um, the, the, the decoupling, the depegging of uh, these, you know, theoretically pegged tokens to the dollar could propo propose systemic risk. And they also, you know, brought up the, you know, well-documented New York AG uh, agreement from uh, February of 20, uh, 2021, where effectively Tether uh, admitted that it made false statements about its underlying reserves and also made uh, uh, sort of a, a, a mea culpa uh, that the fact that their earlier statements about whether Tether was fully backed was in fact untrue. And that's, you know, from the New York G AG agreement that was you know, well documented. It's it's old news. So, but what's the, the but Joe, what's the what's the solution for this though? What's the solution for the stable stable systematic risk? Are we looking for something a new stable coin by one of the big guys? We already have PYUST. It's not gaining any traction. Well, to to be quite honest, I, I don't think there is a solution because even if you have a bigger entrant into the market that. Um, that provides a more uh, uh, verifiable, uh, more regulatorily compliant token for that is theoretically pegged to the dollar. You'll still have these other players out there that are operating, and I don't expect them to just go away. I mean, I, I don't foresee uh, absent some change in the law or some very serious criminal action that's brought forward, which I don't anticipate, um, that Tether is just going to disappear tomorrow. It will always sort of be in this marketplace for the foreseeable future. And from my perspective, I think, you know, once you have liquidity sources that are, quote unquote, questionable, um, you will always have the, the market tainted. Right. And that's what BlackRock's disclosing. They have to disclose that to investors that, you know, one of the risks of this marketplace is this, uh, you know, um, boogeyman out there that we don't fully understand. Simon. Yeah, this is an ultra, ultra interesting conversation. We should have deeper on a, another space, but we could do it. Yeah, I we think... could do it on Monday because I, I do just a heads up. I do have to to jump off in a in a couple of minutes, otherwise, because I have to catch a fight. Or Nick Zabo will, will kill me. He'll miss the fight. Okay. So well, we'll, we'll do it like another another four five minutes. Get your thoughts, Sam's thoughts, and we could uh, wrap it up. Okay, cool. Well, I'll give you a few sound bites for Monday anyway. Perfect. Um, sorry, I just got someone coming in my room. Uh, Bliss, sorry. That's the SEC, yeah, man. Um, the, yeah, so 
Well, the, the interesting thing here is I think the biggest risk with stable coins is not actually the risk on the crypto market, but the risk on the banking market. Um, from 2025, the Bank of International Settlements has put a regime where central banks and those issuing central banks um, digital currencies can um, back and buy stable coins and add them on their balance sheet. And so when you go direct from you know, you, you ask, how do you solve it? Well, the way you solve it is that your dollar is no longer worth a dollar. When you're going from direct from the government issuing bonds to stable coins and taking the bank out of the middle, um, market pricing is how you solve it. Because if there is risk in that, it gets priced into the market and your dollar is no longer worth a dollar. Um, but that creates risk within the system because if people migrate over to stable coins away from bank deposits, uh, then that creates the, the the type of speculative attack that we saw in the 2023 bank run crisis. It's a major, major issue. Um, and there is reasons why uh, they should be concerned. It's traditional banking rather than crypto. Sam? Yeah, great points by Joe and Simon. I, I think, first off, the title of this paper is amazing. Will the real stable coin please stand up? Shout out to Eminem. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, we got it. We got it, guys. We got it. You got it. Sam and, and uh, Joe, Simon, Carlo, and anyone else. I want. I want to have this conversation on Monday. I think it's a very important yeah. conversation, and it's more important than the back and forth between Ripple SEC yeah, just with the East. So, so, yeah. Quick thoughts on it, Sam. Yeah, real quick, real quick. You know, like I think they wrote this. You got to think about the incentives of the Bank of International Settlements. They've been trying to paint these privately issued stable coins as risky, specifically around counterparty risk and liquidity risk, and what is actually you know the makeup of their reserves that back them because they want to paint the picture that a CBDC is the only, you know, quote unquote, stable coin because it's backed by the central bank itself that technically doesn't have counterparty risk and liquidity risk like these other privately issued stable coins. And the Bank of International Settlement is one the one driving pretty much all central bank digital currency developments through the Biz Innovation Hub. And just last week, we saw the Bank of England come out and say they want stablecoins fully backed by central bank deposits. That's what they want. And so they want to write. The who, who, said that, who, said, who said that sign? The Bank of England just uh, last week said that they want stablecoins fully backed with central bank deposits. It's one of the only ways that they can be safe. And so they and the, Joe brought up the anchor of how BlackRock thinks USDC is the anchor of the crypto market. Well, the, the central banks and the Bank of International Settlements think that they are the anchor of trust in the global financial system and they want control via CBDC. So they are the anchor of trust in the system because that's what they believe and they want to paint all these privately issued stable coins as risky and unstable. And that's why they put quotations around stable coins and other speeches and transcripts. So um, this paper is not surprising, but you just have to think about the incentives of who's writing it. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so on, yeah, on that quickly, point, uh, just go ahead, William. No, no, very, very, yeah, I mean, I, I chuckled when I saw the headline. Uh, really, we should compare this to the U.S. dollar. I mean, is there any currency that is stable all the time? Or, I mean, the U.S. dollar versus euro was up and down 8, 10 percent. Uh, I think it should be our stable coins stable enough. That should be rather the uh, measure, not uh, are they stable all the time. Yeah, I, I find I find I find I find the whole topic pretty laughable after what we saw in the last few months with Silicon Valley Bank in the banking sector. So, um, but you know, I, I'd love to go deeper into this on Monday because I think this is an important topic. I think this is the last 
the last uh, spectrum that the, the 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 government, the SEC, could attack if they want to if they want to target crypto. And we've talked about the concerns we had with stable coins. We've talked about Tether a few times, but I think that the, this. Not sure whether there's a a deeper agenda as. Um, uh, I think it was uh, Sam. You were saying the deeper agenda with this report, um, but um, you know, I, I try to get some time to read it on the plane. Otherwise, for everyone, uh, we will end the show a bit early today because I do have a flight to catch, and the guys are not here. Put out, put out in the comments. No joke. I want to mess around with Scott and Ram. Put out in the comments how great the space is, and put out some that go extreme with it. Say it's actually a really good space not to hear Ram and Scott Scott's voice dominating. Put just start taking jabs at them. I want to have fun with it on Monday. Otherwise, really appreciate you all joining. And uh, sorry for missing the last uh, day or two in, in terms of shows. We're back to daily shows on Monday. We're all back online. Thanks a lot for the panel. And we'll see everyone on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.